welcome to Living Fabulously with Bev. The mission for the show is to get to the heart of well-being through inspirational stories of everyday people, expert insights from a number of health and lifestyle-related disciplines, and exploration of topics that underpin well-being. If you want to take control of your well-being and put yourself front and center in your life, then this is the podcast for you. I want you to feel calm, nurtured and inspired so you can enjoy your life and your success. If you have not yet done so, please subscribe, rate and review on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you know someone else that would get value from the show as well, please share it with them. Join me on this journey and let's live the fab life together. Today I'm honoured to welcome Dr. Siobhan Banks. We share a passion about the restorative power of quality sleep and I'm really interested in Siobhan's research into the consequences of sleep deprivation. Welcome Siobhan. Thank you very much. So tell me about yourself and what it is that you do. Hmm. So I'm a sleep researcher. I like to think of myself as a sleep scientist and uh, I have a, a PhD looking at sleep and its effects on um, performance and cognition. Um, And uh, I first got interested really in looking at uh, these effects when working um, as a research assistant and helping run a study looking at um, sleep apnea and sleep apnea's effect on daytime functioning. And so I became very, very interested in how poor sleep affects your ability to function on a day-to-day basis. And so today, these days, I um, try and help workers, um, primarily do a lot of shift work research and um, trying to really improve their their well-being. So on shift and and their performance on shift, but also how they manage their day-to-day lives. And based on your research, what impact does sleep deprivation and stress have on you and your whole life? Mm, So I mean, I really do think of sleep deprivation as a stressor a physiological stressor. And so it has a number of different effects for both the body and the mind. So from a cognitive sort of perspective, we know that when you lose sleep, uh, and that could be by um, staying up all night or by having chronically reduced amount of sleep over many nights, uh, we know that your cognitive performance suffers. So that could mean um, your reaction times are slower, you have difficulty remembering things, you sometimes find that you get stuck on one idea. So if you're trying to problem solve, you find it very difficult to think of an alternate plan. Um, you also find that your emotional responses are heightened. So people find that they, be, they become frustrated and angry more quickly. Um, and we see that in teams, people can become more irritated um, and more frustrated quickly. We do know that for some people, it can uh, when it's chronic sleep loss can affect their mood quite dramatically. So they can end up feeling quite down um, and there seems to be this this link between poor sleep and depression that a lot of people are exploring. And then we also know that there is a whole cascade of effects on your body. Um, we know that uh, not only do you find with sleep deprivation that you just feel fatigued in your body so you have less energy, we also know that there are implications for your metabolism so your body doesn't Uh, basically metabolize the food that you're eating as well anymore Um, and combined that with the fact that we tend to want to snack on tasty treats when we're sleep deprived we tend to want to go for those high fatty sugary foods which sort of are the comfort foods we find that when you eat those foods the body doesn't um, metabolize them as well so 
you end up really with um, higher levels of glucose in your blood. And this can have effects for um, the way your body uh, uh, functions really. And, and it can lead to chronic diseases like type 2 diabetes and that sort of thing. So we see in large questionnaire type studies that there's a relationship between those people who have had many years of poor sleep and chronic diseases like type 2 diabetes and obesity and that sort of thing. So sleep deprivation, sleep loss seems to have a range of different implications. It's a stressor on your body, um, but also leads to a range of changes cognitively. Now, the good thing is, is that when you get better sleep again, uh, a lot of these effects go away. Um, and so for the average person who has several nights of poor sleep, perhaps uh, due to work or um, a sick child or uh, a heavy work, um, um, stressful work pattern, um, that if you're able to get that sleep again, catch up on that sleep, then some of these effects uh, uh, disappear. So there's good news at least. <laughs> That's great. So on the other side of that coin, what then are the benefits, uh, the real benefits of getting good quality sleep? And, and, you know, it's one of those amazing questions, you know, why do we sleep? What is sleep for? That we're still um, struggling with a little bit. Uh, but certainly we know that uh, by getting a good deep sleep, and it's not really even um, just so much the length of sleep, but when you have your sleep, so sleeping at night um, is best. You get a much more restorative sleep at night uh, and you, you're able to achieve a deeper sleep. Um, and by doing that, your uh, body basically uh, is able to rest. We know that there are a range of physiological um, changes with sleep. So basically your heart rate, your breathing rate drops um, during deep sleep. We also see that, um, you know, a number of dis different systems kind of relax and slow down. Um, so your body's getting a real rest. And during that time, we know that there are other hormones that are released. So Growth hormone, for example, is released during sleep and this improves your muscle um, regeneration and um, basically improves your overall functioning during, during sleep. Um, we know that during dreaming sleep that a range of different um, processes happen and deep sleep as well that seem to be important for memory consolidation and learning. And so it seems that different parts of sleep, so the dreaming sleep, the deep sleep, and the overall amount of sleep you get are all important for improving um, your health and your cognitive function. And we're beginning to realize that a number of things go on during sleep as well. The brain is sort of washed clean in a way um, and new connections are made. So a whole host of amazing things are going on during sleep. And we're only just beginning to realize, I think, sort of, you know, the tip of the iceberg of everything that's mm. going on. So for somebody who is an entrepreneur, let's say, and they tell me that they get their most creative ideas in the middle of the night, I'm guessing what you've just walked through actually sums up that you need the sleep to get the creative ideas. Yes, yes, absolutely. I mean, we do, we do know that a lot of people um, sometimes wake up in the middle of the night and have a brilliant idea. Or there's that, um, you know, the phrase of let me sleep on it, um, you know, let me sleep on that idea, let me see if I can come up with an idea in the morning. And we do, we do hear of a lot of anecdotal reports of people feeling like they wake up in the morning with a solution to a problem or that they might have dreamed, um, you know, a creative way to deal with something. 
Um, and, and we do know that, uh, you know, a full eight hours straight consolidated sleep isn't necessarily the way that everybody sleeps and that some people actually sort of have a, an initial, you know, sleep early in the evening. They wake up and perhaps do some things and then go back to sleep. So this idea that we've, you know, um, sort of con- conceptualized over the last hundred years or so where um, sleep is one period of time at night isn't necessarily how everybody sleeps. But I think there's a price to pay if you're staying up late every night or if you're not getting over the 24 hours a reasonable amount of sleep, whether that be made up, you know, in a couple of periods of sleep or with a nap or something like that. Um, There is a price to pay. There's a cost for not getting that regular good amount of sleep. So I think sometimes when people um, say that they can manage with short amounts of sleep, they're either a very lucky person who's genetically blessed by not sleep, <laughs> needing to sleep very much, or they catch up in other ways that they're not perhaps realising, like that nap in the chauffeur-driven car in the afternoon, if, they, they have, if they're lucky, you know, entrepreneur or CEO of a company, or, you know, we see so many people napping on the train on the way home from work, you know, at six o'clock at night. I think people find ways to catch up on sleep that they're perhaps not thinking or realising that this is actually sort of contributing towards paying off a sleep debt that perhaps they're incurring by not getting enough sleep at night. So what are your recommendations then to improve the quality of your sleep? So, you know, we're talking about perhaps some people are not suited to contiguous blocks of sleep. Mm. What's, what's the recommendations to improve the quality of those hours? So really, sleep is best at night. So your body is um, really biologically driven to sleep at night. Um, we have a, a, a circadian drive, so that means a 24-hour rhythm, uh, which, which drives a whole range of our behaviours and our, um, uh, our biology. And so sleep really is, is best between that sort of 11 and 7. Um, or, you know, some people like to go a bit earlier and sleep from, say, 9 to 6 or something like that. And certainly in that time is when it's easier to get to sleep and you have a much deeper sleep. If you're someone, unfortunately, who has to sleep during the day because you're a shift worker um, or for you know, a myriad of other reasons, um, really the best thing to then try and do is to avoid light, to keep your bedroom nice and dark, uh, to keep it as quiet as possible. So perhaps um, use uh, earphone, um, sorry, earplugs, sorry or, you know, having a white noise, so uh, like a fan or something like that going in your room to block out some of the daytime noise um, and to keep it cool. So uh, our bodies are uh, like to give off heat in order for us to get to sleep. So a nice, cool, dark, quiet room is best. And um, we've often um, helped shift workers by providing them with blockout blinds or, you know, by improving their, um, you know, having double glazing on their windows um, to, to remove noise because um, these things can all help your sleep. You know, if you're tired enough, you will sleep anywhere, anytime. Um, but it's making sure that the quality of the sleep and that you're able to stay uh, asleep is best. So at nighttime, if you're struggling to sleep as well, some of those tips would be good, you know, nice dark environment, quiet, those sorts of things, a comfortable bed, um, really investing in the space that you sleep is is very, very important to make it comfortable um, and a place that you want to be, you know, your sort of little cave um, uh, in order to sleep well. Mm. 
and I've had a question from somebody in a group of mine that asked, how can she change a sleep pattern that's been asleep during the day and awake all night routine of over 10 years? So I guess similar to somebody who comes moves from night shift back to day shift. Mm, very tricky because the other thing with sleep, um, you know, there's a lot of habit around sleep. Um, you know, people find themselves doing all sorts of things because it's, you know, out of habit. But with this um, woman, uh, I would say it, it sounds like her biology has, has changed and that she's flipped into um, a different kind of schedule. So remember I said our biology before drives us to sleep at night. It seems that she's um, moved her biology um, so that she's preferring to sleep during the day rather than night. And there's a number of reasons for that to occur. And and some of them are associated to the way we feel when we're jet lagged, when we go to a different time zone. Um, we actually have a number of hormones, uh, melatonin is one, that um, help regulate uh, when we sleep. And melatonin is very, uh, it can be shifted um, by light. So uh, you've probably heard a lot of uh, stories in the news lately about telling teenagers to avoid getting too much bright light at night because it will affect their um, melatonin levels and make their sleep onset the time they go to sleep much later. And of course, with teenagers, that, that can be quite tricky because they often want to go to bed late as it is. And if they get bright light in the evening, it can push their whole sleep cycle much later. And so instead of going to bed at 12, maybe they're going to bed at two or three and then can't get up in the morning to get to school. And this is, sounds very similar to what's happened to this lady that she's getting um, over the years, she's had exposure to light in the evening, and perhaps she has a natural tendency to want to um, kind of stay up late. She's a night person. And so her whole rhythm has shifted from being at night to the day. So she's now sleeping during the day instead. And of course, this has all kinds of implications for your social life and other things because um, everybody else is asleep when you're awake. So in order to shift back, she would need to use a light regime to help her move her sleep from the daytime to the nighttime. So by getting bright light during the day and reinforcing that regularly every day with quite a strict schedule, um, she should be able to move her sleep back into the nighttime period. But it will take some time and um, some discipline in order to do that. It's very tricky if your natural rhythms tend to want you to stay up late and sleep during the day as it sounds like it is perhaps with this lady. So um, I'd recommend she see a sleep specialist and um, the Sleep Health Foundation website um, can give lots of information about these various uh, basically consequences of, of ill-timed rhythms and sleep disorders, um, but also specialists that, sh uh, that are around Australia that she could perhaps go and um, see and get help from. Mm, no, that's really great. I recognize that, you know, we're blessed in Australia to live in a country uh, of maximal light during the day. And I guess if you were in a country, you know, let's say uh, I, I have a niece who lives, you know, in the northern part of the north mm. equator where they have either daylight all day or, or night all day, you know, so it's sort of yes. crazy. And that, I mean, requires different things, you know, so... It does. And, and, and in those uh, countries, uh, it's well recognised that there is considerable effects of that continuous dark and continuous light on mood. Um, and we know that a lot of people in the Northern Hemisphere suffer um, quite badly 
from not um, getting enough light. And so they actually use special light boxes, devices that you can have in the home to give you bright light, um, not only to help them regulate their sleep-wake schedule, but also to help regulate their mood. So we know that these things are all um, really closely linked. Mm. And what if you've sort of had, you know, one bad night's sleep? What can you do to prevent one bad night turning into several bad nights of sleep? Mm. It's a very good question because a lot of people then become quite worried if they feel like they've had a few nights of bad sleep or they worry, you know, certainly people often don't have great sleep in the lead up to something that they're a little anxious about. Maybe it's a work thing, maybe they have to give a presentation at work or something, or there's a a life stress that's affected them so they're not able to get good sleep. And so um, one night can end up leading into many. Um, And it's around some of those habits um, that I was talking to before about before, where really you want to not worry about the fact that you're getting, you know, maybe a few nights, maybe a week of not great sleep. Um, Your biology will take over and put you back onto a good schedule. If you allow yourself to go to bed at a good time, if you prioritize sleep um, and uh, try and um, if you're finding yourself feeling anxious before going to bed, you're perhaps worried that you won't sleep or that um, the sleep, you're not going to get good sleep, to try some relaxation techniques before um, bedtime and really allow yourself a good period of time before bed um, to prepare yourself to, for sleep. You know, we um, as parents, we hear about all these routines we should put children in to help them go to sleep. And it's really the same for us. We should not expect that, um, you know, we're going to rush around all day and then fall into bed and instantly fall asleep. So we need to um, give ourselves time to uh, get rid of some of the day's anxieties. And some people find by having a shower or a bath or reading a book, all of those things are. Um, you know, are are very helpful or perhaps actually doing some meditation or listening to a relaxation tape or podcast, something that is relaxing. It takes you away from the day's anxieties and um, enables you to fall off to sleep. Um, And then, of course, it's all those other things I talked about before by having a nice, quiet, cool, dark environment for you to sleep and a a good um, bed. All of these things can really then help make sure you have the ideal environment to get good sleep. But really, probably the most important thing is to keep sleep a priority, to try and keep a good um, regular sleep schedule. So even if you found that you're staying up late some nights, to um, try and keep your morning wake-up time fairly consistent so that you don't um, uh, find yourself uh, slipping into sort of sleeping in uh, and then when you have to get up at your normal time, find that it's uh, quite a struggle and makes you feel worse. So keeping to a good um, regular sleep schedule and um, trying that relaxation in the evening to prepare yourself for sleep so that you're not uh, rushing around from the day and then trying to um, fall in fall asleep uh, upon immediately collapsing into bed. Really see it as a priority and almost see sleep like diet. You know, you might have a couple of bad days of, um, you know, poor diet but with being aware and mindful about it, you can make sure you get on track again. Uh, so it's really the same with sleep, making it a priority and um, not worrying too much about your sleep schedule. Mm. Thank you, Siobhan, because you are sharing and using exactly the words that I've been using because 
honestly, when you make sleep a priority and you make that commitment, it's like a value statement to yourself. It's that investment in yourself. So thank you for that. Um, and so I'm so glad that um, Adriana Huffington is, you know, coming out and saying yeah. that, you know, her life became so much better as an um, entrepreneur, worker, high-achieving woman when she was able to get better sleep, when she made that a priority. And, um, you know, we obviously, you know, as sleep specialists are very concerned about trying to have that balance between telling people making sleep a priority and then, you, you know, then you freak in people who tend towards insomnia out because then they start getting very anxious and worrying. So we try to balance the two between saying, you know, don't worry if you don't get great sleep for a while, but also <laughs> try and make it a priority. So it's sort of these, this double-edged sword because you don't want to make someone's insomnia worse. Um, but at the same time, you want to sort of tell the rest of the population mm. to, you know, that they really need to try and sleep more than mm. five hours a night, you know. Because mm. I've realised with my wellbeing coaching is that there, there's obviously, you know, the what, you know, what do I need to do and how do I need to do it? But a lot of people have ignored the why, you mm-hmm. know, so obviously there's a bit of education there. Yeah. But the other thing is, to me, the critical thing is the mindset. We don't value sleep anymore. Because we think we have to have it all and do it all. and Yep, and it just becomes squashed. <laughs> most of them they do not have a fixed bedtime. Yes, yes, and that is really important. Yep. And I said, you can choose the time because, you know, like we're all different, yep. but make it the same time. And then half an hour or an hour before then, you switch off all your devices. So yes. just trying to get them back to basics, you know. Yeah, it is. And it's a real, it is just getting into some of those habits, you know, and it's the same kind of thing about, you know, um, you know, getting people to eat breakfast, mm. getting people to try and exercise and some parts, all those kinds of habits that people say, oh, now that I'm into the habit of doing this, I miss it if I don't, you know, do whatever. But it's the same with sleep. And I think we just presume that we can do without it because we can for a little while. Um, but after a while it does catch up and I think that's the important thing. Thank you for that valuable information. Perhaps you'd like to tell me about your work on coping with shift work. Mm. So we're actually doing uh, a number of studies at the moment um, at the Centre for Sleep Research at the University of South Australia, looking at um, both ways people can use things like caffeine um, and naps to you know help them get through the day if they've if they're sleepy, but also uh, looking at shift workers who are very good at coping with their work schedules and trying to develop ways, learn, you know, how it is that they're able to cope so well and pass that information on to other shift workers. So we know um, from some of our work that there are groups who have worked 20, 30 years plus um, in shift work and do very well. They're very healthy, they cope well, they're happy with their work and life. And so we're really looking to learn from this group and transfer that information to the people who find it very difficult to cope with shift work. They find that it impacts all parts of their life, um, including their health. And so we're looking to combine these two things. How can we um, find the, uh, you know, the, this, these tips from the long-term shift workers who cope well, but then also provide um, good information about the best ways to nap, the best ways to use caffeine, um, and other techniques to improve your performance um, when you're having to work during the night or indeed if you're just very sleepy because your sleep has been disrupted because of you know, a whole host of factors in today's society. 
we're also looking at ways that diet can be um, integrated with sleep in the sense that not not eating during the night, but um, in ways that you would um, perhaps uh, uh, change the type of food that you're eating or when you eat to um, improve your health and well-being. So we know that shift workers tend to move a lot of their meals into the nighttime period. And as I talked about before, this is when your whole biology is expecting you to be to sleep. Your whole body is expecting you to be fast asleep, not eating food. And so we often hear that um, shift workers suffer a lot of gastrointestinal distress. They often have a lot of tummy upsets. And so we're combining, you know, looking at some of those symptoms with um, the fact that we know that shift workers are also at high risk for um, chronic diseases like uh, diabetes, for example, type 2 diabetes and obesity. How can we help shift workers deal with these um, various health conditions? And so we're looking at ways of altering the timing of eating, um, altering the macronutrient, like what is in the food, whether it's protein or carbohydrates, to really improve their health and well-being. So we're, we're trying to really look at shift worker health on a range of different fronts and really try and learn the best ways to be able to help um, shift workers cope with this quite demanding work schedule. Mm, that is so interesting. And I'm looking forward to hearing more about that because I guess, you know, some businesses are 24-hour operations and it's required that we have some people working those. So that's very interesting. And what are your tips for living fabulously, Siobhan? <laughs> Well, I think if we've already talked about it, it's making sleep a priority, you know, making it that really important piece of your day and um, planning for it and making sure that you get good sleep. But then also, you know, on the flip side of that, not worrying too much because we know that certainly anxiety is the real bane of getting a good sleep. So trying to um, be mindful, live in the moment, but um, get good sleep. Mm, that's fantastic. I mean, there's been some amazing insights. I'm just looking forward to sharing this with everybody. But I think the three takeaways for me was you talked about investing in the space that you sleep in. So creating that haven, you know, that you want to go to and it, you associate that with, with good quality sleep. You've spoken again about making sleep a priority and keeping to a sleep schedule because the body does work best on the, I guess, the pattern or the mind being mindless. So when your sleep is in that habited form, it's much better for you. And then the, the other one you're talking about is what I would call a wind down routine. So creating the space between your work and your home life and your sleep. So creating that gap so in the wind down routine. So thank you so much for your time today, Siobhan. My pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you so much for listening and you can get the links and any references from this episode in the show notes at my website www.livingfabulously.com forward slash podcasts. Have you heard about Sleep Timber? It's a month to focus on restorative sleep and it's a month packed with so much goodness for you. What will it take for you to take care of yourself? Head to www.sleeptember.com.au to find out about the free events and sign up to join a movement of sleep lovers. Until next time, be sure to live the fab life. The information shared here and in our programs and webinars should not be seen as medical advice and is not meant to take the place of seeing licensed health professionals.